welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hello there, Broads. Hi, Broads. Hi, Broads. It is our midweek episode, and I am so excited because... Jess, we haven't talked about, we haven't had like, we used to do episodes about sex all the time because people would always tune in. We're like, okay, well, not only is this fun to talk about, people seem to love to listen to it. And recently the broads were just like, "Uh, excuse me, ladies, why haven't you been talking about sex as much lately? And I'm like, I feel like maybe it's been just the state of the world in the past few months that I haven't been feeling quite as sexy, sexy. But I'm like, you know what? We need to talk about it again because that's what's going to... Let's have some fun. Let's spur this on. Let's spur this on. And so if you broads recall, um, a while back, Becca and I had an episode where we talked about bisexuality. This was like almost two years ago. Was it really that long? No. No. Really? Like a year ago, right? A year and a half ago? No. We recorded it in paradise, not last year, but the year before. Oh my God, time. It'll be two years this summer. What is time? (laughs) so yeah. wild um well we talked about bisexuality questions we had had and <clears throat> in the conversation someone who becca kept bringing up was this author i think, I think we read some some excerpts from an yes. article she had written. and so we've been wanting to get her on for quite some time and i'm so happy that it's finally happening so with us we have gabby aka gab alexa yes. on instagram <laughs> Hello. And we're so excited to have her here. I'm so happy to finally be here. Honestly, when you guys did that podcast where you just mentioned me, I was at work and my phone blew up for like 24 <laughs> hours. And I, even now, my friend is like, oh my God, Chatty Broad, everyone that I know loves your podcast. That, oh, that's great that's to hear. so nice. <laughs> my yeah. sister from four years ago even texted me and was like, oh my God. I'm like, girl, we don't know each other. What happened? <laughs> Try to get in. Correct. Yeah. So I feel <laughs> is, is the tea. Well, I have to say, your the article that initially Becca brought. Um, I just want to say thank you. Just a personal, quick thank you to you because it was it helped it me, and I can't imagine how many people process through a lot of just questions that going in, I I had about bisexuality, fears that I had feeling like I would be inadequate if I wouldn't have had an experience. And and yeah, there there was just so many things that um your writing has done to help. So thank you. Yeah, I felt like you were holding a space that like at the time at least, I didn't hear I didn't see a lot of voices online talking about what you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I will say that now I see so many bi influencers who are talking about it. And that's really awesome because it it was so ridiculous how much gatekeeping Mm. existed at that time. And I think still exists. Like I go on TikTok, I see what the youth are doing and they are gatekeeping (laughs) the fuck out of the... Can I say fuck? Mm. Yes, Yes. please. (laughs) (laughs) They are gatekeeping the fuck out of the queer community. Mm. Talk a little bit about, okay, so for listeners that maybe didn't listen to that episode, there's probably a lot of people or maybe are a little not clued into what we're talking about. So maybe you can just talk about like the work that you've been doing surrounding conversations about bisexuality and basically what you've just been focusing, what you focus on on your platform, et cetera. 
Um, so at the time that your episode came out, I was talking a lot about misconceptions with regards to bisexuality, because I, first of all, struggled with a lot of those misconceptions because the only time I saw bisexuality on like TV or in media at all, it was like spring break content, mm. which made me feel like the only way that I could do anything with girls at the time I was like 11 12 was if I had a boyfriend and then that boyfriend like permitted me and then that was a way that I chased Mm. my sexuality for a really long time and then one literally one day I was like wait I just like don't have to do this and Mm. it seems so simple but like it was it's hard when you're not seeing yourself represented as like a full human being Mm. and uh, when I started to like tell people that I was bi and like start dating the feedback that I kept getting was always, oh, like you just want attention. You just mm-hmm. like, oh, like there's no, there's this isn't real. Like we're a, we're a real community and you're someone who's outside of the community trying to break in. So then once um, I feel like after a certain amount of experience, which is so disgusting that like I shouldn't have to, first of all, reveal all of my like sexual history just for someone to believe in my bisexuality. Mm-hmm. But like, I also shouldn't have to chase experiences just to prove that I'm bi, which is what I was doing. I was literally just trying to like do this like long list of bi things so that I could say here to the community, like, do I have my my bisexual card yet? Mm. And I just didn't, I don't feel like that serves us and I didn't want other people to struggle with that. So I started writing just about that experience and I was surprised at how many people resonated. But before I found like my community that it resonated with, I had to deal with like Christian being like you're Satan and uh, <laughs> and like a lot of like comments on my writing which is like you're never supposed to read the comments right but I would read the comments and it was just like trash so I built my Instagram community also as this like oasis away from mm. all of these little pockets of the internet that were just trying to bring me back down mm. well broads we have to take a quick pause but listen nothing beats free stuff right except maybe free stuff that is also um pleasure-oriented free stuff from adamandeve.com. I'm excited about this new sponsor. Let's go. Yes, I am so excited. Okay, if you don't know what I mean, here's the 411. Adamandeve.com is the one-stop shop for all things fun, sexy, and with Valentine's Day right around the corner, you're not going to want to miss out on their amazing deals that they have going on. Okay, amazing does not even do these deals justice, actually. For starters, you can pick almost any item off the site and you'll get 50% off, half off, literally just because. And that's not even the half of it. With every single purchase, you'll get three gifts, something for you, something for your partner, and something you both can enjoy. And still there's more. You'll get six free sensual movies for your viewing pleasure, and you'll get free shipping. I mean, (laughs) are you kidding me? So basically, if you're looking for something fun to do on Valentine's Day, We just gave you a very good agenda. You're welcome. Also, if you're thinking, oh, geez, cool. Valentine's Day is basic. Not so basic if you're trying out some new kinky bondage gear or sex swings. Or if you're thinking, oh, geez. Yeah, we love a sex swing. Okay. Okay. They've got some great sex swings on there. Also, if you're thinking, oh, geez, cool. Valentine's Day. Sex wings. Excuse me. I was like, sex Uh, wings. I mean, I bet they have that, too. They have everything. So, you know, I I don't know what sex wings are, but I'm sure it'll be there. 
I bet they have sex wings on there. I'm sure they definitely have costume <laughs> wings on there. That's for sure. Um, also, if you're thinking, oh, geez, cool. Valentine's Day. I don't currently have a lover, nor do I want one during the quarantine times. Well, romance yourself broad with a dual pleasure vibrator, some quality lube. OK, there's plenty. There are so many great things to choose from on AdamandEve.com. No matter what your pleasure preference is, they've got you covered. Just go out, uh, check out the website and you'll be wowed by the variety. Head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use code chatty, C-H-A-T-T-Y. And don't forget to use it because without it, there's not going to be any of that free Valentine stuff. It's free, people. Come on, just use code chatty at adamandeve.com. So, Broads, uh, here's the thing. We got a second dog like six months ago. Uh, Her name is Ashley. And when I say I'm obsessed with my dog children, this is just an understatement of the year. I honestly feel like they have brought me and my family so much joy the past few months. Uh, With how much time we've been spending at home, they've just become our little lifesavers, which is why it's only fair to return the favor and give them the absolute best of the best when it comes to pet care. And I've been loving the products we've gotten from Scouts Honor lately. It's pretty much become the only brand I trust now since using it for my four-legged family members. I'm exactly the same way with my cats. They're spoiled rotten in my house and I wouldn't have it any other way. But to your point, I just don't trust so many pet products. It's like every time I find one that looks promising, it's full of chemicals and I hate that. So Scouts Honor offers probiotic grooming products for dogs and cats that are a natural, scientifically proven solution for treating any and all of your pet's skin problems. Oh, and in my house, we have started purely using the Scouts Honor Grooming Essentials Kit. My little babies both have sensitive skin and can get very itchy. Well, Scouts Honor probiotic grooming products, when applied to the skin, support healthy bacteria and fight against bad bacteria that causes that irritation. And they smell so amazing. I love the honeysuckle scent best. And by the way, with every purchase, Scouts Honor provides one day's worth of meals for a rescue animal in need. It's amazing. I love that. Well, to receive $20 off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash chatty. Remember, that's scouts with a K at scoutshonor.com slash chatty for 20% off your order. Scouts Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, can I ask uh, like, how you were raised? Were you raised in a Christian home or? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a pastor at my church for a while. And then when he passed, they renamed the, there's like two main, well, there's like three main halls in my church that I grew up in. And they renamed one of the main halls, the Noel Hall. My last name is Noel. So like his, there's like a plaque with his name on it in one <laughs> wow. hall. And then when you walk into the church, there's another plaque. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, if my church finds out that I'm bi, they're going to hate me. They're going to, like, force me to look at the plaque every day. And even (laughs) when I was 16, I was a debutante in my church. My grandmother was the leader of, like, the debutante committee um, before she passed. And while I was participating in the debutante experience, like, before you do the actual ball, you have to do etiquette lessons and waltzing lessons. And then they would Wow. I know. Like it was, Wait, this like, is the thing they do at churches? It's honestly, it's a very white evangelical thing. So like very down oh. south. And I think that because we are mostly an immigrant church, like it's very Caribbean. So people who like recently came to this country, I feel like there is this pressure on those communities to assimilate to like mm. not regular whiteness, but like mainstream, like purity whiteness. Um, so there was a debutante. Wow. 
committee and they even had me do a purity pack, like a purity pledge. Oh yeah, we've been there. We did the we did the pledge. We had our card and our ring. I had my and- ring, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get a ring. We just signed like a piece of paper as if they're gonna- <laughs> right, as if they're gonna bring me to court or something. And that was it. I didn't get any like nice presents. I wish. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. I mean different context, but same Christian upbringing stuff, which you know, I feel like I gotta give this disclaimer every time for listeners. It's like I'm not saying that like all Christian, if you didn't grow up with that experience, that is more power to you. Good. Congratulations. Happy for you. But please recognize that a lot of people have a very different kind of upbringing. And the most, there are a lot of churches in the United States are not uh, queer friendly to say the least. Or it's, yeah. I mean, or, yeah. something that has helped to reframe it for me is the way that like, Uh, we look at white supremacy, like there's nothing wrong with being white, but there are ways that whiteness has impacted people. And Mm -hmm. um, there are people who use the language of Christian supremacy. And like, I guess looking at that lens, uh, I really recommend Soul Force. They have like a whole bunch of like uh, educational resources on it. But looking at it as like how Christianity has been utilized rather than like looking at Christianity itself as the problem has really helped me to like, uh, I guess to tell people about it without seeming like I'm attacking their faith. Cause that's not what I ever aim to do. That actually is such a great, uh, that's really interesting the way you just explained that because yeah, it's sort of like when people are saying the, the response of like, Oh, not all Christians are like that. It's sort of the same response as like, not all white people are like that. It's like, well, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not part of like the constructive conversation what we're talking right now is about like the functions of white supremacy or the way that it's reinforced so like yeah let's talk about the way that christianity is harmful or the way that these the christian i like the terms christian supremacy that's Mm -hmm. interesting but Mm -hmm. i've of course i do i have done a lot of research on sex education in this country Mm -hmm. and Christian supremacy is why we don't have like great sex education in public schools because mm. like very conservative groups put money into like, you know, the purity balls and the purity culture and the purity rings. Mm. And then they even like had um, like they went to the White House and pressured Bush <laughs> physically like they did like some kind of like action at the White House. Um, so then like every presidential uh, administration was like, okay, like we have to actually do something to make these conservatives happy. And then they have since like put billions into abstinence only before marriage sex education. And then of course we just uh, got rid of Trump, but he put a lot, he put millions into abstinence only sex education. Really? Mm-hmm. And not only here, but abroad, like they would go to other countries and like try to like missionary it and tell other people to abstain even in countries that support like um, multiple marriages. Yeah. So for those people, if you're telling them, like if you're just abstinent until marriage and then you can't have any STIs and then someone is in a relationship that involves multiple people, how then can you guarantee that that's true, that that's accurate? And it's mm. also like, you know, it, the audacity of looking at your own culture and like prescribing that mm-hmm. for someone else mm-hmm. and deciding like, well, monogamy is, the, is what you're supposed to be doing on a culture that doesn't actually subscribe to monogamy. It's ridiculous. Go United States, though, I guess. <laughs> uh, USA, <laughs> USA. Uh, well, it's just that that is a reflection of Christian supremacy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and also the same thing ha- happens with pressure on local levels, too. Like, I, I grew up in a pretty conservative city, and 
there would be, you know, parents that would go basically lobby at schools and be like, we don't want you handing out condoms or like, we don't want you talking about this. I'll pull my children out for that sex education if you're going to talk about these certain topics or whatever. And then schools get pressured by, you know, PTAs Mm -hmm. and whatever to not give kids the information that they need to have. It's so silly. I have been doing a video series for my job that talks about sex education experiences for queer and straight people. Mm. I premise of it was for like straight people to recognize how inadequate uh, sex education is for queer people and to recognize Mm. like the privilege that exists there. But of course we had some like really great conversations and something that comes up is just like the non-factual information that we got in sex education, even here in in New York where it's supposed to be super progressive. Mm. We had an episode with, with, queer men and straight men. And one guy was saying that like his uh, sex education teacher told him that the vagina is just a muscle and uh, there's no actual pleasure felt for women or no actual pleasure felt for people with vulvas. But obviously uh, the teacher said for women. And I like, that's unbelievable. Like as a man, like imagine you are going around thinking like, well, women don't experience pleasure anyway. I mean, it's a function of institution, like, right? And I just am thinking because I get so involved with birth stuff and this stuff happens in hospitals. It happens in schools all the time. People are not given the full spectrum of information. The people who are professionals supposedly are not even fully formed, so uh, informed sometimes about these facts and giving people knowledge in order so that they can make decisions about their body. And it's supposed like it's built this way for a reason. What was the craziest part of sex ed for you? Well, I'll say from in in my high school, <laughs> I still can't even believe. Did you guys this. both do it like freshman year? Is that like the nor- like health class or like in freshman year or like? I, do you guys remember how old you were when you got sex ed? I was a sophomore. Yeah, I was gonna say I think okay. it was sophomore year okay. for me too. But I will say that most of the people I've spoken to now, it's like fifteen people for this video series. They got it senior year after they were already sexually active, which is yeah. like, terrifying. Wow. <laughs> I yeah, I I think it was sophomore for me. But again, it's all kind of a blur. Let's be real. <laughs> High school is just a mess in my brain. But I went to a Christian school. And so sex education legitimately they announced that they were going to be doing a sex ed class obviously i'm already i'm already triggered yeah obviously separating the quote-unquote genders right it's like here's the boys here's the girls and like and and boys think this way girls (laughs) think that way that's exactly exactly and so but when the parents found out that they were going to be doing a sex ed class and again this is a christian school the parents were so mad that they said that they wanted the option to be able to pull their kid from mm-hmm. the class. Yep. So I ended up going into mine because I wanted to go. But there were the classes. I'll say this. There were not a lot of kids in there because most of the parents pulled the kids from the class. I'm like, what's the point of that? Because you they, like they made them like go into another room and watch like the Passion of the Christ or something like that. <laughs> wow (laughs) and then my actual the actual sex ed class it was an abstinence like it wasn't even i'm like yeah it was a purity conversation all of these people could have been here and the parents would have been fine because this conversation was legitimately like well you need to remain abstinent but then once you get married and start having 
sex. And again, of course, completely heteronormative. I mean, there was no, obviously, here, this is, this is not even a conversation. It was all, it was basically like the penis is inserted here and then babies. Like there was no, there was no talk of condoms. There was no talk of safe sex. It was literally an abstinence class. Well, yeah, and sex aside, like most of my friends, uh, I was lucky that my mom explained like the function of my reproductive organs. So like I knew what a period was and like what ovulation was at a pretty young age. But most of my, like some of my friends thought that you get like at 17 or 18 thought that you get like pregnant on your period specifically or that like just like base just we don't even teach kids basic anatomy and like functions of reproductive organs it's so crazy to me my my experience everyone was a freshman in my class but i didn't go to i was like homeschooled my first two years of high school and so then when i went to public school i had to like make it up so i was a senior in my health class everyone else was like 14 but my my health teacher like the conversation was like whatever flavor you're into like you need to make sure you're protecting yourself. So condoms. <laughs> and uh, yep, that was like that was like pretty much the conversation. That that was the acknowledgement, by the way, of of like just a big yup of, of like queerness is like yeah. We might, I don't know if you what flavor you're into of sex. You might, guys, girls, you know. So uh, yeah, that was that was that was pretty much it. I will say my saving grace in sex education was um, I. So my best friend was dating a Mexican American man, and therefore he was in this club at school called Aspira. And it's mm-hmm. like not only at my school, it's at like many other schools. Um, so she joined because she was like, "I love him." And then I, <laughs> like, well, I is this joined, a club for Mexican American or like it's for la- it's for Latin people specifically. Okay. I'm not sure okay. if it's like a Mexican specific club. I I was only there to hang out <laughs> with my friends. So obviously, so I joined the club. She joined the club. We we're all just like she was even like on the e board of the club, which is funny because uh, she's Malaysian, and <laughs> we have an annual conference where you get to go. It's like college. Like you go, and then in the first hour you register for the classes that mm. you want to take, and then there's like you two classes that you pick and then like a lunch break and then and like a whole thing and one of them like since I joined the club they were like there's this great conference and they tell you about sex at the conference so I was excited as fuck like I was (laughs) a whole year at school to go and then I went to the conference I signed up for the the sex education um course and it was college kids who brought like dildos to class and I remember I had never seen a dildo in sex ed, I asked like how to put on a in like regular sex ed in school. I asked how to put on a condom. They were like, we can't show you. I was like, what's a tampon? They're like, we can't tell you. So this was the first time that I saw. Oh I know. Unbelievable. This was the first time that I heard them like, sh- like this is the first time I saw all like different aspects of sex education. But it was also the first time that like I could ask a question and they just be like, oh, well, here's the answer. And I didn't feel like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. That- that literally rescued me or I'd probably be pregnant or something. What was your, yeah, I was gonna say, what was your like experience up until then? Like with sex, the topic of sex, how much you knew, like, were you just interested? Cause you were like, Ooh, sex is fun to talk about or kind of where were you at that moment before? I was always very interested in talking about sex. I think it's clear that I followed the path that I was supposed to be on. Cause <laughs> yes, uh, sex with shirt. <laughs> Cause now I, that's sex is like basically it runs my entire career. Um, but 
no one would answer my questions, which was really frustrating. And it gave me like a lot of shame. And of course, like a purity pledge also produces shame. And (sighs) I just felt bad all the time. Like if I thought about sex, I felt bad. And I was 11 having like chronic shame, like like mm. up all night, couldn't sleep. And it wasn't mm. until adulthood that I had like the language of like, there is such a thing as chronic shame and that it's like mentally like debilitating. Mm. But I would like, and I would go to my parents' room and tell my mom like about my like shame problem. And she was like, girl, just go to sleep. Like, do you need a sleep aid? Like what's happening? You want some melatonin? <laughs> like she had no understanding of like what I was going through. And yeah. it was just that, Purity culture at the time, like, taught us that we weren't supposed to even think about sex. Mm-hmm. Like, had like Britney Spears was in, in the news because she had said, like, that she was going to stay a virgin until marriage, but then she was dating Justin Timberlake. So everyone's like, girl, please, like, you fucked Justin. <laughs> um, and every reporter that she, like, sat down with at an interview was like, so are you still a virgin? Like, just crying <sighs> into her life. Then there was, like, the MTV... Uh, VMA awards. I don't know if it was the VMAs or something else, but it was an MTV award show where the Jonas Brothers were being talked about. Oh my god, I so remember this. And then someone like like an adult made like a joke, like oh ha ha, the Jonas Brothers and their purity rings. So then uh, Jordan Sparks got on stage and was like, "Some of us aren't sluts," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, I so remember this Gabby, period in culture. I I had I don't know if my brain had blocked out some of these. And now you're saying this, and it's just flooding back. Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber were like a part of that too about that purity culture conversation. Yeah. I oh well, wow, Selena had a ring, but I didn't believe that she was real about it like the <laughs> other ones. Honestly, I was like, I know that girl's fucking. <laughs> Like, this I is a know. front. This is a front. Be also, real, like, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But like, man, the 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 mass pressure on the, on all the tabloids kids. would report too. I remember like keeping up on it. Yeah, I, and and it would be like they're not wearing like one of the Jonas Brothers is not wearing like it was like Joe. It was like Joe is not wearing his purity ring anymore. It was like <gasps> he's obviously fucking. And then there's like a list of like all the potential people. <laughs> Years like, who he was spotted with the past three months. It's like what he was like seven, like no, not even yeah, like sixteen, so young. and it's just like, oh my god, the level of shame, yeah. like fucked me up. I thought the worst thing that you could do is have sex, like bef- with not your husband. So mm-hmm. then I got into a relationship, and he was like, "You want to have sex?" And I was like, "I can. I just we have to wait till marriage. It was so bad." Um, but we were still doing like other yeah. things. Like I was still sucking his dick. We better. Of course. <laughs> And then my best friend, a different best friend than the one I mentioned, I just want to say for the record, uh, but a different best friend was like, oh, I have anal. (laughs) Yep. She was like, oh, like, you know, God's not, God is only protecting like this one hole. So I just use the other hole. Yeah. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. she looked at me like I was slow because I hadn't thought of that. That was the, that was the Christian past. Yep. I remember when I discovered, I remember the day in high school when I found out that that was the past. And let me tell you my problem. TMI broads don't care. Mama has an anal fissure. I've had it for forever. It never goes away. So anal is not an option for me. So I was just like, damn it. I cannot provide pleasure for my boyfriend (laughs) because anal was the only option. It's just so like (laughs) wild and stupid too. like now thinking back like who I just it's hard for me to put myself back into like, you know, 17 year old me and be like, did I actually believe that like 
what I was doing was like pleasing to God because I was abstaining from vaginal intercourse. Like it is really bizarre to me to think back and be like, was I or did I just not I did I did I just not want to think about it? And was it really more about pleasing the Christian culture around me than it was about any kind of relationship with a divine power? Like I, that or did I just not want to confront certain truths? I don't know, but it is weird to think back on. Yeah, I think for me it was avoiding shame cuz I already had that yep. that chronic shame issue from very young, like Yeah staying up all night. So I think by the time I was a teen, I felt like if I just act in a certain way, maybe I can avoid feeling that way. But of course, like there's no way to avoid shame that has been like installed by other people. Like it's not my shame. It's from someone else. How do you work through that as an adult? (laughs) Great question. No idea. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know what? I will say writing has helped a lot. I Mm. just like when we started talking about like um, all these different aspects of purity culture, I hadn't really processed that, but because I became a writer, I started pitching like this topic. And yeah. the more that I would write about like like one topic, it would always leak into other topics. And then I would go do research on that and like interview people for like articles that I was writing. And then by the end of it, I just think like, and also sharing with people on the internet and learning mm-hmm. that other people experienced the same thing. Like people would be like, you're only on the internet sharing your sex life because you want attention. And meanwhile, I was having these like deeply meaningful healing conversations with people all across the world who also dealt with shame. And there's just like something really profound in being like, oh, I'm not the only one. Yeah, I think sometimes I felt shame about the shame as an adult, like that I can't be a fully liberated person because I have shame. And so then I feel ashamed about that. And and then that makes me even more like yeah. want to curl up in a ball. And, and I don't I don't know about both of you, but I know even then like that like the triple shame syndrome or whatever <laughs> started for me even back when in high school I was had all the shame already. And then I started realizing that when I would involve myself in sexual acts, I didn't actually feel like they were wrong. And then that would make me feel shame that I'm like, why don't I think that this is wrong when I'm part like when I'm doing them? I this is great. I don't feel shame. So then it's double shame. And then you get the shame as the adult. Why can't I get it? I mean, it's it's just it is a circle, a never ending circle. And what you're saying, Gabby, like those conversations online it, it seems to be one of the few ways that I feel like really can be so healing for people. Like, like, like I said, reading your article for us was healing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, there's someone else who had these questions, who had these experiences. And even when we'll talk about it on the podcast, that's always the message is it's just like, oh, I thought that I was the only person processing. And it's like, we know we're not, but it is such a lonely feeling. Yeah. I mean, I connected with people even older than me, which is astonishing that people older than me follow me because Mm. I feel like my platform is so young. But um, older people would tell me that they were also still working through shame and, you know, thanking me for my work, which feels Mm. like, oh, so they're still like, if you don't face your shame, if you don't like look into why you are the way that you are, like that'll just stick with you. And it made me really... I guess glad that I started working on it so young, but I, it still comes up for me. And I guess I've trapped myself into feeling like, Oh, I'm supposed to be perfectly healed. Cause I'm on the internet talking about this, but of course it still comes up. When I went to hedonism 
for example, um, on my way back, there was like a culture difference between the, the resort and like Jamaica itself, obviously. So going from like everyone being naked to like everyone having clothes on, like just made me, I guess, start to reflect like the same as like when you're having sex, you don't feel shame. But afterwards, mm. you're like looking back and you start to feel mm. shame. Um, as soon as I got to the airport, I had the worst anxiety attack. I was just like crying. Wow me and five other sex influencers and they're just like it's okay we deal with this too like it's just our life and I thought I was the only one like the only sex influencer quote unquote who felt like oh like maybe I'm like not worth as much because of this career path wow just to give a little background too for listeners hedonism is what do you you call it swingers resort like that seems like swinger is like like a bunch of 60 year olds their official verbiage is that it's a lifestyle inclusive resort. Okay, that's broad. I, that's right. That's very vague. <laughs> I have, I'm going to say that it is a swingers resort, but more so it's a sex resort. Yeah, call it what it is. Like, um, uh, I went to the pool and people were fucking, so I'm going to call it. <laughs> okay, broads, just one more quick pause. I, I just want to say right now on air. So when I end up being correct, there's audio proof of this. But I believe that 2021 is the year that we give our locks the love they deserve with custom products formulated specifically for us. Now is the time. There's only one hair care brand that I've really been trusting when it comes to these custom products for specific needs. And that is Function of Beauty. I feel it. It's the only hair care we have in our shop. And I mean, when we say specific, we mean specific. You'll start off the process by taking Function of Beauty's online quiz so they can learn all about your hair type. They can identify your personal hair goals and they'll take all this into consideration when they're formulating your products. And then next, you have the option to customize your color and fragrance or you can skip that step if you prefer to. You can do fragrance free. I love having that option. Um, Based on the results of your quiz, the team at Function of Beauty will determine your perfect blend of ingredients, create your formula and send it right on its way to you. All the formulas are completely vegan, cruelty-free, and never contain sulfates or parabens. If you're not convinced yet, check out their 50,000 five-star reviews online. 50,000. And let me tell you this. There are over 54 trillion, yes, I said trillion with a T, 54 trillion ingredient combinations possible. So you're going to be bound to find that perfect one for you. Never buy off the shelf. You're just going to be disappointed. Um, Never do it again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash broads and take your quiz there. And you're going to save 20% off your first order. So that applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Just go to functionofbeauty.com slash broads and let them know you heard about it from our show and you'll get 20% off your first order. Functionofbeauty.com slash broads. Well, Broad, some of my absolute favorite memories as a kid are when I would find a good book or a good book series and just get completely lost in it. There's just a different kind of magic that happens when you read a good book, especially when you're a kid. Um, I even see it now with my daughter. Her imagination runs wild and it's like an entire new world and worlds open up to her when she reads. And we recently signed up for Literati and Oh my God, it's her new obsession and it's my new obsession as a parent as well. Oh my gosh, Literati, it's, when we got the box in the mail the first time, it's so cute and I just, I just love it. I'm obsessed. Ugh. So it's a try before you buy subscription book club and it works like this. Each month, Literati is going to send you five age-based books that are specifically curated to spark new interest or nurture a healthy curiosity in your child. Like said, it's, or like I said, it's age-based, so... 
it's, it's perfect for whatever stage they're in. And you and your kiddo get to sort through the books together and whichever ones you love, you can keep. And the ones that you don't love, you can send back. A subscription to Literati cuts out sifting through tons of titles and puts some power in your little ones to choose books that excite them. And you're going to love it too. Oh, and like, let's be real. Calling it a book club, it doesn't even do Literati any justice. It's so much more than that. Each subscription box follows a new theme like adventure or compassion or art and comes with personalized extras like stickers with your kids' names on them to put inside their books, special artwork. It's just so well done. And like I said, it gets a 10 out of 10 for my daughter and for me. Me too. Head to literati.com slash chatty for 25% off your first two orders. You can select your child's book club and start them on a literary journey like no other when you go to literati.com slash chatty. And it's the only place you can find 25% off your first two orders of this one-of-a-kind book subscription. Take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the most joyful way to foster a lifelong love of learning. That's literati.com slash chatty spelled L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I. Okay, we want to talk. We still want to talk about this. This is here's the fun part. Um, we're like, oh, we're gonna have a fun conversation, and then we're like, Christian shame over sex, like it's crippling, it's debilitating, like it still haunts me. Um, okay, we talked about the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, okay, but you, yeah, talk about ooh, what you do, like the fun aspects of being a sex influencer, and talk about this trip, please. Um, so I, you can start with hedonism. It is the sex resort. I went to not last year because we were in a pandemic, but the year before, um, someone emailed me randomly like, Hey, do you want to go to a sex resort? And I was like, that's shady. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, another influencer like DM'd me. I was like, Hey, I gave your name to this travel company and they've been emailing you a couple times now the trip is in like <laughs> month. so that like, was oh, my, email back, like, yeah. my bad I thought this was fake um I thought <laughs> I was getting like kidnapped but um and I did find out like as soon as I posted that I was going a bunch of influencers that I was familiar with were also going so my friend cool. Sophie met I met my there's another Gabrielle sex writer uh she was going as well and um we you know flight covered I had never had that happen before like just for having an Instagram and being a writer, I was like, that's wild. Um, So I was like super starstruck. We get there and literally within 10 minutes, I already saw like my first like naked person. Um, But it was like the daytime. So we didn't really, um, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't too crazy, but what, as we moved through the schedule, there were like parties and events. There was like a phone party where everyone was naked. That was wild. Um, but it was a lot of, of course, old people on vacation. Yeah. Like, where's the young people coming? And then a couple <laughs> of days into the trip is when another group of just all like smoking hot influencers showed up. And I was like, this is even worse now because <laughs> they all had had like, it looked like people who were very wealthy, people who had had work done. And I was like, they're not even going to look at me. Like there's two in-betweens. But it was also very cool because no matter the body type, no matter, like there were people who were unshaved there were people who um like I guess are not the normally like celebrated ideal of a body but who felt very confident in their body and there was like just a general air of like whatever happens happens however you are just like be that person and it was really freeing that was the first time I went skinny dipping in the ocean oh and my it God. was uh, uh, like under a full moon it was like amazing um 
And there was a, like a sex dungeon that they, that was open on weekends where it was like, just like, like these fountains. It looked like, like what you would think heaven looks like. It was like all white, just these elaborate fountains into these like, like sectioned off pools. Like instead of just a pool where everyone can swim around, like they were like pods kind of so that you have, I guess, like not privacy, but just a separation from other couples. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and then there was like another room that was like more dungeony that had like beds and like a sex swing. And that was, again, my first experience with it. I was still working through a lot of shame at that point yeah. in my life. So I was like both excited and like nervous. But honestly, I was invited for a cooking competition. So not for any of the <laughs> cooking competition. And I love cooking competition. So. <laughs> wait so like my thing is is there like a code of conduct like unspoken kind of of how people operate like are people just always having sex all the time everywhere or is it mostly couples like what's the vibe so there is a nude side and a prude side mm-hmm. um my I guess because I'm a journalist my side my room was on the prude side, but I could like walk over to the nude sides. So there was a nude beach and a nude pool. Um, at first I stayed on the prude side and I was like, this is just a nice relaxing vacation. Sure. There's like a couple naked people here and there, but whatever. And then I went on the nude side, like day two or three or something. I was like, Oh, this is where all the people are. <laughs> <laughs> the pool had like a DJ. So people would go there to party and there was like, obviously swim up bars at most of the pools, but there were more people at the nude pool, pull up bar, uh-huh. up bar. Um, they played like, there was a game called like car wash where they had everyone standing side by side, like in two um, lines. And then someone would like walk through and you just like touch them. And I was like, I'm not going to play that. But that's the <laughs> thing that there are so many people playing yeah. this game. Um, it was nice to see, because of course, as someone who grew up, with so much shame it was like cool to see adults like let go so much there were people of all ages who just seemed kind of like like this is my one time yeah and there were a lot of people who were like I got married here I loved meeting all of the couples I would just go up to people and be like hey I'm a journalist can I talk to you and they'd tell me their hedonism story and they're all great stories that's Um, so cool there were a lot of people who were like, oh, I, this was my wedding location or this is my second wedding or my or whatever the fuck and those couples, I feel like, loved each other. Not that I want to say they love each other more than like a monog, full monog couple, but seeing their capacity to love each mm-hmm. other so much, even as they're like passing their spouse around, I was like, that, that's love. Mm. And that's part of why my that's part of my journey into non-monogamy. So thank you, hedonism. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I so want to go. I'm like always trying to talk to my boyfriend. I'm like, I want to go. It sounds so, sounds so fun. I think it just sounds, I'm just curious about seeing what other people's experiences are like. And just like, I, Greg was like, I don't know if, I don't know if I want, that doesn't even, I don't even know if that sounds fun to me. And I was just like, but YOLO, like you literally only have one life. So why Even not? if you don't partake in the like super sexual parts of the resort, they have really great entertainment, but it's like sexual, but like still sexual, but not overtly sexual. Yeah. 
Um, they had, there was like a pole dancing class that I took while I was there. They have like really cool fitness classes and just the ability to like, be like, oh, I want a skinny dip today. And no one can tell you, no, that's really yeah. nice. Yeah. That's my, that's my thing is like when, when you were saying, seeing like adults have this like joyful experience, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I want to go. And even if not to participate, which maybe I would, I don't know. Just observe. Is, is just to like see grown people do like a human car wash where I'm like this is this is a fun time like we're taking a deep breath we're enjoying like our bodies and experiencing like each other and the energy of other people sensuality sensuality right just like that energy of sensuality just feels like it would be you know on the one hand so healing on the other hand when you're talking about having you know a breakdown in the airport that I, I, I would assume with the shame that I have in relation to my Christianity that I would probably experience something like that too. But that that feels like it would be a good way to kind of break through in certain ways. One last question that I want to talk a little bit about non-monogamy. Did you feel safe being like a single person there? Like, did you, was it a pretty safe environment? Did you feel? Um, I felt safe, but like couples are annoying no matter where you go. Not like normal couples, like couples looking for a unicorn are annoying. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. sure, sure, sure. That's actually what I was kind of curious about. It was like if you're being like a sort of constantly propositioned. Drunk or- one night and this girl was trying to get me to sleep with her boyfriend. And I kept saying, I don't want to sleep with your boyfriend. I would love to sleep with you, but I don't want to sleep with your boyfriend. But she kept pushing it. So then I was like, I don't even want to sleep with you anymore. And then- <laughs> And then she just like, uh, she was like, okay, just me and you. And I was like, no, I don't want to fuck you anymore. And she was, just, she was just so annoying that I left the, I was in the playroom when she propositioned me. So I left the playroom and I was wasted. So I just kept wandering around the resort, talking to like random people and being like, I'm upset because this person. So then I woke up the next morning sober and people kept coming up to me. <laughs> Are you okay after last night? And I had no no idea what they were talking oh, about. So then finally someone was like, you were really mad about this girl who tried to sleep with you, but she wanted her boyfriend to join and you didn't want her boyfriend to join. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I think I told the whole resort. <laughs> and then after That's that, really sweet though. Me. It's so nice though that everyone was checking in on you. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice if I remembered that I was that <laughs> oh man in my head I thought like she annoyed me and then I like pleasantly walked back to my room and went to sleep (laughs) (laughs) quietly and pleasantly but that's good that you were able to get I mean like honestly super fucked up and then be like in a safe environment where people were still like taking care of you in a way like that's cool um, okay, so I want to talk about your foray into non-monogamy and a little bit like talking about shame and unpacking beliefs and all of that. I don't think there's like, well, never mind. There's so many beliefs in our culture, but like monogamy is a huge one, like big, big. I will say my shame and my indoctrination into purity culture made me like not a fun partner I mean mm. I'm sure I, I'm not that I'm saying they my partners didn't have fun in the past but when I look back I'm like oh like that just feels so icky to me because I was so controlling yeah. I was so um I guess because I I felt like if I am participating in purity and I'm like being non-slutty and I'm performing purity for my partner really because it's a performance um then I am owed like this much attention and like this much energy in my relationships mm. and 
um, I guess I wanted my partners to compromise their friendships in a way that like, that honestly, when I talk to my monogamous friends is not weird for them. Like for them, mm. they're like, of course I would make that, that sacrifice, that compromise for my partner. But now those compromises seem so shady. Mm. I had a really good boyfriend. He was great. So I don't, he, uh, apparently he's been listening to me on podcasts and being like, you keep talking shit about me, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he was great in all ways, but he really wanted me to like be more modest. And mm. that was a problem I ran into in a lot of my relationships is cishet men wanting me to dress yeah. more modestly, which is wild because they follow me on Instagram, flirt with me, and then want me to change my whole brand. <laughs> You're like, you, 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 you met me in this outfit. <laughs> so... <laughs> I would keep wearing this outfit. But especially because I experienced a lot of uh, harm from cishet men in relationships, when I found like these really good men, Mm. but who had requirements of modesty, I felt like, well, at least he's not harming me, right? He's not hitting Mm. me. He's super nice. He doesn't cheat on me. And that is like this super valuable thing, right? So he's doing all these great things. And like my sacrifice, therefore, should be to be modest. So I threw out Mm. favorite pair of pants I still they're short they're the American apparel high-waisted light wash jeans shorts um that like just show a little bit of cheek on the bottom yes and I threw them out <laughs> oh, because I just R.I.P. R.I.P. and I also like you know we'd go to like concerts and stuff I was like big on raves and he'd be like can I see your outfit before we go and I would do that I would okay my outfit with my partner before leaving the house and that even that was just, I was like compromising my autonomy at that point. And yeah. I felt very yeah. like normal because I really wanted love. And I thought that that was the only way that I could gain love. So I guess part of my foray into non-monogamy was I wanted freedom from like compromising my autonomy in those small ways, or even like feeling like, oh, I can't have this type of friend. Like, oh, like I, I have a guy friend, but if I hang out with him too much, like my partner's going to get jealous. So I have to invite my partner in to hang out with all of my friends all the time to make sure that he feels secure. Like I just wanted freedom from that mostly, but I thought I would ultimately settle back into monogamy because that's what I had been socialized into. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I wouldn't be able to manage jealousy long-term. So I kept Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, I'm just like trying non-monogamy. And then I really liked it. So now (laughs) like, Yay. I was talking to my girlfriend two days ago and she was like, we could be monogamous if we wanted to. And I was like, honestly, like we did it for our whole lives. We probably could, Mm -hmm. but why would we want to? It's working out really well. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. When you're talking about like the interactions with your ex-boyfriends, it's like, I think, you know, you, you hear it now and you go, oh my God, I allowed myself, but I feel like so many people did and have and continue to. I know, to. I, I made like this shocked face as if like that's something crazy in our culture and like it's not. I, I'm Wait, I, it's normal. So when I talk about this story and I say how weird it is for me to my friends who are monogamous, I love them so much. They're like, oh yeah, duh. Like my, of course my husband wants me to do that. I'm like, Okay. I I will never forget having this moment and I'd been like, you know, dating numerous people. My partner now who I'm married to, I remember get like being dressed in front of him about to go out with some girlfriends and you know, I was in like tiny little skirt, tiny little top and high heels and looking I walked all cute and looking all like yes, I was loving my look and I walked by him <laughs> and I was like and I kind of like wore it to get his attention. And I was like, well, I'm going to go now. And he was like, damn, you look hot. Have a good time. And 
he and I remember stopping and I got into a fucking fight with him because I was like, why aren't you jealous? You're you must okay not- with me going out like yeah, this? Yeah. And I go, why aren't you jealous? Do you not like and all of a sudden I start questioning, does he love me? Because I had been so trained that like that, that toxicity like, abusive displays of jealousy yes. are like an uh, expression of love is an expression like, of love and mm-hmm. i'm like why do you not do you not care about me because it's like you know again i i i love my dad but like i would see him be like if a guy would look and be like hey you know whatever and 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 he's he's wonderful i'm not trying to talk to my dad but that we all have plenty of we have like, that socialize conditioned and, stuff and then his ex-boyfriends and so then having this moment where i'm like you must not love me and i remember him looking at me being like well what are you like what are you talking about getting this huge fight and he was just like no you look really hot and i love you and like have a nice night <laughs> and i'm like i left and i was like i'm so confused mm. but it yeah. was just this 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 journey from there i started to process like oh he loves me Hence, he's celebrating me celebrating myself and feeling good. Yeah, I I remember like getting to a, a point in my relationship with that man where he was just like, I just thought you would mature. I'm like, bitch, I I've gotten worse since that relationship. Like, I literally only wear pink except right now, or like shirts <laughs> that have like feminist slogans <laughs> on it. Like my, la- I used to work at a supermarket, and they were like, we play a game when you're not here. That's like what feminist slogan is Gabby going to wear today <laughs> the only clothes that I own is like stuff that makes me feel like super girly and like glamorous and like almost like a Barbie doll and mm-hmm. is like incredibly <laughs> provocative and <laughs> I I think that's my true form so I don't think I ever would have have achieved my true form in that relationship and we were getting really serious like we were talking about marriage so mm. I'm I think he just reached a point where he was like, she's not going to change. And, and I was like, no, I promise I'll change for you. I'll throw all my clothes. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe. <sighs> Thank God I didn't do that. I even, um, I interviewed my exes for a piece that I wrote for Tinder called like, I they pitched it, not me. So they asked me to interview all of my exes to find out where we went wrong. Oh, that's so good. The common theme is you were growing in a way that was beyond this relationship. Like you clearly were like not going mm. to, to follow the rules of, 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 I guess they mean monogamy, but also of like heteronormativity and all those things. And like, they were like, not in a bad way, but I just really wanted to like release you to go do that. Oh, and they wow. were right. <sighs> That's kind of sweet. And also kind of scary at the same time. Cause yeah. It's like how many people's partners are not willing to release them to like be their full person and how many people will not feel empowered and confident enough to live in their full selves. And like, that's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, for years I beat myself up. I was like, you should have just like, just to have an experience of love, you should have compromised. And now that I have love, but a more freeing love. And I think, you know, when I reflect a lot deeper of a love, I'm like, oh, thank God. I used to hate them for for doing that. And now I really appreciate Mm. them for doing that. Yeah. And when I say sad, I don't mean like, oh, like sad sad for you guys. Like, no, I don't don't mean it in like a shameful way. It's just like sad that we don't, that, that, I don't know, that we're not shown how to be like full confident versions of ourselves. And like, yeah, be empowered to live in our 
in our true selves. That's just, I don't know, bums me out. And it bums me out that what we see, thankfully things are starting to change in like pop culture, but what we see in so much of media is just examples of really toxic monogamy. Like if I think of like even Disney Channel shows that I grew up watching and like, you know. Did you watch Gossip Girl? I actually didn't. I did. Sorry, what did you say? They could have renamed it the, the Toxic Monogamy Chronicles because that's all it was. Oh, I, I mean, I watched Pretty Little Liars, basically the same shit when it came to <laughs> toxic relationships. So you're right, you're right, you're right. Same thing. I, I watched Gossip Girl and I was obviously just like obsessed, like typical, you know, the first time I was like, oh, my God, it's hot. It's sexy. And then I rewatched it somewhat recently and I was shaken to my core um, that uh, teenage Jessica was watching this and being like influenced in this way. I'm just like, oh, my God. I mean, the whole first season is just about Blair's virginity. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And and about teenagers who have too much money doing drugs a lot. Yes. Yes. So. (laughs) Bruh. I think that, you know, I feel like I'm giving a lot of caveats, but I just want to say for listeners too, like if you're monogamous and or you're waiting till marriage to have sex or any of those things, like that's okay. I think we're speaking to people who have not felt like empowered to make a choice for themselves, one that they truly want. That's what we're talking about. If you're super happy in monogamy and living your best life or or in abstinence or whatever, please like do you what we're talking about. And, and no, I do not have any judgment or saying you have to change. That's like kind of the the antithesis, I think, of what we're saying is like you should be able to live your life in the way that you feel comfortable with and have, feel confident exploring that. I just want to say like we, Gray and I are not in a non-monogamous relationship right now but i've been i've read a couple books now on non-monogamy and i've just been like exploring the idea more and i have to say it has released so much for me just even in our still monogamous relationship where like he's been having like a friendship again with a girl he used to date and like last night he's like i don't know if that makes you uncomfortable and i was like no it doesn't make me uncomfortable like literally at all Like when you hang out with any of your friends or your exes or whatever, like that's cool. And I know that if we want to have a conversation later on about like exploring a non-monogamous relationship, like we're both open to that. And that is just that in and of itself is so freeing to be like, you do you, you have your relationships. I'll do me and have mine. And like, it just feels so good. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. first of all, it's about your ability to be honest. So the fact that he could be honest with you and say, hey, I really want a friendship with a former partner, I'm sure felt really good for him. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we're just like not even allowed to admit that we want that. because And, it, and it feels good when your partner feels comfortable enough to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's like, wow, the fact that you could come to me and tell me that like you want that or that you need that. It's like you trust me enough to say that. That's so like touching to me and and special. Yeah, I it, within my non-monogamous relationship, there's obviously a, a lot of honesty that not that one wouldn't expect, but just that um, I'm surprised how relaxing it is and how mm. like how, the feelings of ease that it causes me to feel like uh, I had a, 
crush on this girl basically. And she hit me and my partner up and was like, I have a crush on both of you. And we we're like, okay, great. So we uh, <laughs> had a threesome. And then um, <laughs> afterwards I saw that her, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I saw that her COVID boundaries were a little mm. lax. Like we had gotten tested for that to happen. Yeah. So I felt like, and she was like, I just stay home. Right. And then afterwards I was like, girl, you don't stay home. you be out the house every day. <laughs> Which is fine, you know, I don't like yeah, to COVID yeah. or anything, yeah. but like that, that isn't someone that I was like, oh, I'm like rushing to hang out with again. Yes. So then for New Year's or Christmas for the holidays, right? She made chocolates, like infused chocolates. So there were shroom sh- chocolates and weed chocolates, but in the shape of her vagine and gifted it to us. <laughs> and then the next day I was like, and then my, my partner goes, I have a crush on her again. I was like, me too. And it felt so good to be like, wow, we're both so easy. Like you just need to give us like shrooms, chocolates in the shape of coffee. And we'll be like, oh my God, like what are we hanging like, out? We're and- back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> but it's it's interesting, right? The um the dichotomy of feeling like more secure in a relationship, yeah. the more you can be honest and open. It's pretty cool. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's very little I think that I could bring up that would make my partner feel like a little weird. So that's nice. Well, I feel like it could be my full self. Yeah. I was gonna say, do you have any, just, um, do you have any advice or tips for people to maybe start unpacking stuff that has been conditioned all throughout our lives and our culture? Like, I think some people are like, this sounds like a lot for me. Like I'm not, ready to have like a lesbian threesome and a non-monogamous relationship like I think some people might feel a little bit overwhelmed by some of the conversations like I do not want to go to a sex resort so yeah do you have any like advice on on for where people can just start to maybe process through some beliefs they may have held without really you know digging deep I mean, again, reading and sharing was where I started from. Obviously, it has transformed into this whole thing. Um, And I'm really happy and blessed. And at every level, I still like learn something new. Mm. There's still something that I'm like, oh, wow, that was like toxic monogamy or like that was heteronormativity Mm. or any of the other ivities, phobias, whatever that we're indoctrinated in in the society, like. I think at every level, I'm still going to have those conversations with myself where I'm like, oh, I I don't need to believe in that. A conversation my partner and I were having recently is, um, for context, my partner has a unicorn themed bedroom. Love her, love her room. I don't want to live in a unicorn themed room. (laughs) I ever moved in with her and she is committed to permanently living, maybe not permanently, but for a minute, she wants to have this unicorn theme. And we were like, wow, it's so, it's such a like just normal everyday thing to just accept that you will share a room with your partner and kind mm-hmm. of like just compromise on the theme. But mm-hmm. even if you have like drastically different beliefs on how you should sleep. And she's also like, she sleeps with like the light on. I want complete darkness and silence. And I, it's nice to just be like, wow, like if we move in together, we could just get a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. That yeah. mean our relationship is broken or, or a bad, like, we have a great relationship that acknowledges that we don't have to always sleep in the same bed. Mm. So just start with like really small things. Like what are things about marriage and relationships that you just like accept and believe because Mm -hmm. they're there because we see it on TV. Yeah. And just start with 
questions and curiosity, it sounds like, is how you approach a lot. It's just with curiosity. Yeah, like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Why do I wear white to a wedding, right? The bride wears white is representative of purity in many ways. Like, you could just wear any color. Mm-hmm. Why do I need my father to walk me down the aisle and give me away? You don't. You could just walk down the aisle by yourself. It's like, start when if you're capable of, like, looking at those small things and being, like, as a feminist, I can part with those you can start to see like the bigger picture of how much our society is like coded by patriarchy to not serve us. Mm -hmm. And it's also like fun conversation to have if you are currently in a relationship with someone. Like these are fun questions to ask together when you're sitting around eating, when you've been, you know, potentially seeing this person, maybe you've been seeing a lot of them because of the quarantine. (laughs) These are fun questions to ask. Like, you and I, we, you know, when you're talking about like the, the bedroom, for instance, like if you're married and you feel like you're always uncomfortable because your partner is like takes up a huge side of the bed and squishes you and whatever and you just don't sleep well. It's a <laughs> like it's a fun conversation to sit down and be like, if you couldn't sleep well. Like, would you feel weird if we would if we would have two separate bedrooms? And if your partner said yes, then it's just kind of like, well, why? Why do you feel like we would be separate, like two separate? Why do you feel uncomfortable that we'd be separate? And it's just like, it's just a fun conversation piece. Well, I, I do want to acknowledge sometimes it's not so fun for some people, which that, you know, never mind. I don't really want to get into this dark thing. I just feel like some, a lot of people are in unhealthy relationships. Sure. And so sometimes if you start digging deep, like I, I feel like some people... I, which I understand. I've been there. Like, if you start digging deep, then you start realizing, like, that maybe this relationship is founded upon some toxic stuff and, like, maybe this relationship isn't coming from the healthiest place. So you should start digging deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, that's hard sometimes. No, and I get course. wanting to avoid that kind of stuff. And it, things get complicated. People have kids together a lot. It's like... Sure. Yeah. It's but- also like we're just in a society that's very, like this or that right everything is a binary even Mm. like not just gender just everything so I guess people feel like well if we're not in the same room every night then we hate each other we must like like in tv a common trope to like be like oh my parents are separating was to be like they sleep in separate rooms yeah so I can imagine like a very committed couple being like we sleep in separate rooms that must mean something bad and it's not to say that you sleep every night in separate rooms it's really just to mean that you have the option like there are some nights I can't sleep and like, where am I going to go? I sleep next to my girlfriend. So it, and like, I am very loud and I'm like making hot chocolate to <laughs> roll myself to sleep. And I'm like trying to listen to like healing. I'm like, I want to put on my white noise music or something. All things that I have to be mindful of this other person who's in bed with yeah. me to make yeah. sure I'm not ruining her sleep. And then she wakes up in the middle of the night and she assumes something bad happened. So she's like, what happened? Like, I just can't sleep. Like, go back to bed. Like, and that was this whole fiasco when we could have just been like, I'm just going to go to my room Mm -hmm. and go to sleep in the way that I will sleep. And then we can resume tomorrow. And I also want to mention that my parents, so my, I hope my dad isn't listening. So my dad talks in his sleep a lot and thrashes and like runs in his sleep. So he's like, oh, she talks smack about it all the time. She's like, oh my God. Like sometimes he like punches and kicks like forward he just like elbows her a little bit in the process of it and then she'll just like (laughs) elbow him back and I just don't like what if you could just be like I'm going to my room (laughs) 
You're like, quick question. <laughs> I have my favorite mattress in there, the soundproofing and light proofing that I like, etc. You know what's so backwards too is when you brought up the thing about how now in TV it's like the sign that the parents are separated. What's so backwards and ironic is that like in I Love Lucy in the 50s, Mm-hmm. TV, they would make the married people have two separate beds in their room. Mm-hmm. It's like... Did you just watch WandaVision? Is that what happened? <laughs> what? Did you just watch WandaVision? No. I oh just my remember- God. They just did like a like a bit that was based on that. So I thought you just saw it and like that's why it came to mind. No! I- that's so funny. No, I just thought about it now when you said that. I'm like, how backwards? Like... And it's not okay for married people to show that they're having sex. But now if they're not living in the same room, then they're not having sex. And that's bad. It's like we've been thrown all over the place for the past, like, however many years. And I think often married couples did sleep in separate beds in the same room. Oh, I don't know. I think that was. I thought it was like TV guidelines. Just on TV. Yeah. I thought it was a guideline to show that, like, we're not having sex. Only oh, to make I thought babies. it was actually like I thought it was you know what's this is so sweet and sad and innocent about me is <laughs> <laughs> that I remember I would watch all those shows and then I went to my grandparents' house when I was young and they had two twin beds pushed together to make a bigger bed mm-hmm. and I was just like I remember being like oh my god they are so romantic because like they're old school and they think that they're supposed to sleep differently <laughs> and they've pushed their beds together and like let's be real they probably just pushed their beds two twin beds together <laughs> instead of just like we can't <laughs> afford a king size bed so we're gonna take our tw- twin beds and push them together That's, my brain was just like oh my god <gasps> or maybe romance or maybe it was like <laughs> the original sleep number like one of them had a really soft twin bed and That's a really hard twin was. bed That's probably what it was Oh, yeah. it probably is. They probably had different back issues. So I have yeah. scoliosis, so I need a really hard mattress. And I could imagine uh, someone else not wanting to sleep on that. That's probably what it was. I thought it was. I thought it was legit. Like, oh, back in the day, they used to have separate beds, and my my grandparents are so romantic that they squish their beds together. Well, y'all, I gotta I hate to break this up, but my boyfriend's like, I gotta go to work. You gotta come home and take care of the kids. So we gotta <laughs> we gotta wrap this show, but um. Gabby, it was so much fun having you on. It was a blast. It was a blast. Thank you so much. This it is- was so wonderful. So wonderful to talk with you. Again, thank you so much for everything that you've done for the like sex positive community, for, for the, queer community. the queer community, for all those articles. Um, I know I said this at the top, but like genuinely um, through your Instagram and your writing, I felt like I was able to get to a point where beforehand I thought, you know what, I haven't had a sexual experience with someone that has a vulva. So I'm like, I can't say that I'm, I, I can't, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm heterosexual, right? I can't say because I haven't had that experience and I felt a lot of shame and I felt weird about that. And we even had that in our, in our episode. And because of your writing and your Instagram, I, had this realization where I am able to f- say confidently that I am bisexual. And so I, I just want to thank you for that. And um, yeah, it means a lot, truly. Thank you. Thank you. I, I It feels so good to hear that. You know, when you're a content creator, you just like are talking to a void and you're not really sure if it's stuck with people. So that mm. it's stuck. It's stuck big time. Can you tell all the broads how they can find you? We'll put all this in the episode notes and link them. But yes, let us know. So you can find me at Gab Alexa on most platforms. I um, also have a book coming out 
in March, at the end of March. It's a pandemic, so I don't get to do like a fancy book launch or like a book tour or anything, but you can get your own copy. It's available for pre-order wherever books are sold. There's Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon, Walmart, etc. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I have to plug. What's the book called? Yeah. Oh, right. Duh. <laughs> I love the internet and not let it run your life. So it's a book about the internet, but it's like through a, obviously a sex positive and queer lens. So it talks a lot about how like LGBTQ youth form very unique communities online because of the specifics of being queer. It talks about sex positive influencers and how we don't get enough sex education in schools. So we have to get it online. Um, cool. And it's just like, it also talks about like internet culture and memes. So all of that blended together we should definitely have you on again to talk about that when you do your whole release and everything that'd oh. be so cool i would but. love to it comes out march i'm doing a lot of press like the end of february so sweet let me know cool amazing thank you so so much broads we'll have all that linked in the uh episode notes and we'll chat soon chat soon <laughs> 